This is from Luke 6, chapter 6, verse 12 to 8, 19. Sorry. Jesus chooses the 12 apostles. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and those 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he, called, he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Crowds followed Jesus. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large, level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. So we're going to look at those verses that Mary uh, read for us earlier in Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6 from verse 12. And we're going to, um, when I'm back from holiday, we'll spend a little bit of time thinking about what Jesus says to us in this chapter. But I just wanted to make a, just some brief introductory comments really this morning. Uh, when, when Jesus goes up on a mountain to talk with God, and he then comes down with instructions for his disciples on how to live, including blessings and woes for either listening or not listening, that is deliberately reminiscent of the Old Testament story of Moses and Israel. Uh, because Moses too, if you remember, went up on a mountain to speak with God before then coming down with the law, uh, which instructed the Israelites how to live as God's people, and they were complete with blessings and, or woes for either hearing or not hearing. So, in other words, what's happening here in Luke 6 is the older story of Moses and Israel is now reoccurring in the ministry of Jesus and his followers. Uh, Jesus also chooses 12 apostles here, which means sent ones, to be his representatives in the world. And again, that's deliberately reminiscent of the earlier Old Testament story where God chose the 12 sons of Jacob uh, to represent him among the nations. So again, the Old Testament story of God and his people being a light to the world is continuing now through Jesus and his followers. And when in verses 17 to 19, people not just from Israel, but beyond those the Israel come to Jesus to be taught and healed and restored by God. That's fulfilling really one of the great hopes of the Old Testament, which was that all the nations of the world would come to God for salvation. So all of these verses in Luke 6 are actually making a very, very profound statement about who Jesus is and about what he's doing in the history of this world. Through Jesus, God is fulfilling all the promises that he's spoken about and that he's been working towards since actually the beginning. That age-old vision of God saving a people who will be the light of the world so that the world will be drawn to God and saved, that is now happening, Luke is saying, through Jesus Christ, God's son. God is saving the world through Jesus. 
And as the chapter continues, Jesus will describe, and we'll, we'll look at these chapter, this chapter over the coming weeks, Jesus will describe what it looks like when that salvation takes effect in our lives. Life, the life of God's kingdom changes us and through us will change the world around us. So for example, just very briefly in verses 20 to 26, attitudes towards pride and humility, high and low, power and weakness, first and last, they're completely changed those attitudes as we follow Jesus because his power was seen in him dying for us on the cross. And then in the following verses, Jesus will say that life in his kingdom exhibits a kind of love that goes beyond self-seeking. It's love even for enemies, love that seeks to do them good too, which is a love just like God's love, just like how Christ has loved us. And he says life in Christ's kingdom is also a life where forgiveness rather than condemnation is our characteristic way. That's verses 37 to 42, we'll see. Uh, we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And so from now on, we will no longer look down on one another in condemnation. We'll forgive and build up just as God has forgiven us in Christ and is making us new. And he says, life in God's kingdom is also a life where goodness will grow in our lives, much like fruit growing on a tree. Jesus, in other words, he said, he'll say, begins to transform us from our very inner core of who we are so that good fruit rather than thorns will grow from our lives and it will bring life and nourishment to the world rather than pain and scars and difficulties. And this life of God's kingdom, he says, is ultimately the only kind of life that will truly last. Verses 46 to 49, even when all other ways have crumbled and fallen, the way of Christ and his kingdom will stand. So in all of those ways that Jesus will describe in this chapter, God's light, God's healing, God's salvation that he's always promised, it is coming to the world through Jesus. It's about us being, you and me, being made well and restored, made whole, like we saw in those verses we read earlier. Made whole in our minds, in our hearts, in our attitudes, healed in our humanity, in our relationships and in our future, therefore. And it is through Jesus that God is doing this in the world. And he intends for that work to continue in each generation. And that's why Jesus sends out his people here to live and then pass on what God is doing through Jesus Christ. So guess what? He is calling you to be part of that today. Just like the many people in the crowd here in Luke 6 who became part of it in their day. God invites us now to be saved by his grace through Jesus and then to share that blessing of salvation with others. Here in Luke 6, they came to Jesus, they heard the good news, they entered the kingdom uh, and their lives were changed and they went out to live in a new way as his people. But God is still doing that today for you and for me as well. And here's the thing, here in Luke's gospel, God wants us to see that this is no mundane thing. It's no small thing, this. This is the great world-encompassing history encompassing thing 
of what God has been planning and doing from the very beginning. So to be part of that today, to be part of this is to be part of the mission of God redeeming the world. The story of his light transforming the darkness. That's why I wanted to read firstly this morning from 2 Corinthians 5. You know, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. But then he says, Paul says there, but he's given us also a ministry to share that reconciliation. God wants us, you, to be part of this world-saving thing that he's doing. That is huge. And you can be part of it too, as you follow Jesus Christ in your life. And that's why, you know, that grand picture of what's happening, that's why Jesus reenacts deliberately, I, I think, some of those major themes and events from the Old Testament story on the mountain. And he now reenacts them here with his disciples because he wants us to see that that age old great story of God saving the world is continuing now today with added vigor through the power of Christ and his spirit. And actually, that's always been who is the power behind it all. So this section of Luke's gospel and these parts of the gospels where Jesus instructs us about, you know, living in this way and not that way. This is not just about, oh, by the way, you know, here's some things Jesus did and some, some advice on, you know, living a bit more nicely. It is much bigger than that. This is inviting you and me to be part of the great mission of God in this world. It's about God's kingdom, verse 20. What that means is this is this God's kingdom means this is what it looks like when God's rule begins to actually shape our lives and shape our relationships with one another and therefore through us shape the world. And God's mission has now come with a whole new power because of Jesus Christ. You know, it's not just Abraham now. It's not just Jacob or Moses now. It is God's own son who has come. He's come in flesh like one of us, as one of us. He's dwelt among us. He's died for our sin, to take away our sin. We're forgiven. And he's risen again for our new life, that new dawn. Again, like we read First of all, in 2 Corinthians 5, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation now. The old's gone, the new has come. Jesus died and rose again so that we too, in a sense, can die and rise again in new life with him. Jesus has come so that his kingdom is here and at work, I believe, like never before, in such a way that the good news is now being told and lived all over the world as it is today. You know, there are more testimonies about that grace of God in people's lives than we would ever have time to hear in our lives. People all over the world are coming to Christ. Their lives are changed and communities are changed through them. That's what God is calling you to be a part of in your life today too. Jesus sent out his apostles. He sends us too. He works through our words and through our deeds, what we say and, as he describes here, the character of our lives. Somebody has said, be careful how you live as a Christian. You will be the only Bible that some people ever read. And so God calls you to join him today and us as a church in that great ongoing story 
of him reconciling the world to himself in Christ. It's the story that began with Adam in the Bible, was passed on to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, onto the Israelites and Moses, and then the prophets, they handed it on as they, they spoke of the coming of Jesus, God's son. And they said that would be the beginning of a whole new age in what God's doing. And that is, that's where we live. We live in that time. The Messiah has come and he calls us too to go out and speak and live in such a way that it brings God's blessing and salvation to the rest of the world. Speaking about passages like this one, where we read about amazing things that Jesus has done. Uh, one author, Maria Balding, has said this. When Jesus heals, whether in the New Testament or today, his work is a sign of new creation. The healings he performed during his earthly ministry were a first stirring of the new life that is among us. And she says, it's like the stray primrose that comes out on a mild day in winter mistaking it for the spring. I really, I thought that was a lovely picture. You know, we see the signs of God's grace around us. And she says, you know, it's a bit like those early primroses, a sign that actually the summer's coming, more is to come. You know, we know, don't we, that Jesus's new creating work will eventually fully come one day when he returns and there's resurrection, the dead will be raised and everything we're told will be made new somehow then. But, but the point here is it's actually already happening as well now. It's already working among us and in us now. We already see it growing in our lives and in our world, just like those early primroses that carry with them the promise of the spring and the summer that, that will arrive soon. And that's what our faith in Jesus makes us part of today. We ourselves become those signs of God's summer that is already rising upon the world. So never think that your life is insignificant, particularly to God. Never think that your faith means little. You know, no matter how stumbling your faith may be, you know, the apostles, they had their struggles just like us, but Jesus called and sent them. So be encouraged in your life and your faith. Be encouraged by this bigger picture in Luke 6 of who Jesus is and of what he's, what he's doing here in the history of this world today. This is what we mean when we pray, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So be encouraged that actually the desire of God to save us has been and is being fulfilled through Jesus Christ in the gospel. Be inspired that he calls you to be a light in the world today as you love God and love others. And be encouraged that God is making things new and that the hope that we have in Christ will never fail, as he will say in this chapter, but will eventually lead actually to resurrection and new life in ways that as yet we can only imagine. And then one day, as we press on towards that goal, then all the primroses will flower, so to speak, when God's eternal summer, his new creation, it gradually arises until one day all our longings will be met by the presence of Jesus, who will appear for us again and will make everything new.